everybody, and welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's get right into things. All right, so first up, we do have an interesting development as far as racial and, quite honestly, social developments go. We have the trial, the murder trial for Derek Chauvin. He, of course, would be the police officer who kneeled on George Floyd's neck for about nine minutes and 30 seconds, which ended in his death. That much, I believe, to be unequivocally true. And that and those charges, I should say, are being brought forth. There are three of them, one being second degree murder, second being third degree murder, and finally, second degree manslaughter. Now, this is generally just referring to intent, and that's why the charges were brought up as they were. However, it does seem rather obvious, of course, to the prosecution and to many in the nation that it was indeed a homicide. That is why those murder charges are being brought and let's outline really what happened on the first day of the court trial. There wasn't actually that much going on, most importantly, because the trial was cut short due to a technical failure because of COVID. There have been reduced numbers within the building and due to the national profile of the trial, there is actually a TV crew, a, a crew to live stream and broadcast this trial across the nation. There's there's actually live footage of the trial, which is not always that common, though for nationally profile cases, it's been seen before. However, this trial and what is going on is, is quite honestly very, very important. What it will, the ramifications that it will have on police activity, police culpability, police accountability, these things are on the line. And we are seeing the prosecution bring forth the charges and, and the case quite honestly, claiming that it will be easy, referencing the video that was taken by a bystander of George Floyd being kneeled on, openly kneeled on by Derek Chauvin for nine minutes, 30 seconds as he struggled, obviously, violently on the ground. This itself is brought forth as evidence and quite honestly, in the prosecution's mind, the only evidence needed. However, of course, they will bring more witnesses to further that case. That is the underlying point of the case, however, is that Yes, it is obvious that Derek Chauvin did kneel on George Floyd's neck, and that is what makes it a homicide. It looks intentional. It was intentional. That is the case they are writing on. Now, the defense is making the case that this is not why he died. They are not at all going for a obviously non-compelling case where they are going to claim that Derek Chauvin did not assault him. Derek Chauvin did not do these you know, violent acts did not kneel on him. That is not, of course, the case they can make due to the fact that there is footage in this case. There is footage that Derek Chauvin did what he did. There is no denying that. Now, the defense attorneys and and the defense team in general are going to bring about the argument that George Floyd's previous encounters with drugs, his use of drugs, made him overly susceptible to this action, to being kneeled on, which seems a bit eye-rolly to me. However, They're going to claim that, yes, it is because of that past abuse of drugs that he was susceptible to being overly stimulated and, of course, led to his heart failure, which eventually killed him. That will be their course of argument. What scares me the most, what what really does scare me and and, kind of makes me a bit fearful and maybe this is just a bit of pessimism or perhaps just a, a bit of paranoia, I do think that possibly this argument could hold up in court. I think that there could be that case made. And I think had it been an all white jury in the 1890s to 1960s, you would have had a a non guilty jury claiming that Derek Chauvin had done nothing wrong and that he was free to go. However, I do believe that with all the national media highlighting this court case, and I think 
with all the president following it with a mixed race jury of both black, white and mixed race. I do believe that there will be at least one member of the jury who finds Derek Chauvin guilty. This, of course, would prolong the jury and their argument and, and would prolong the court case for as long as it goes. Uh, of course, there does need to be unanimous voting. However, I do fear, of course, that you could still see that right wing argument, that right wing talking point of victim blaming, of claiming that the people at the bottom are are actually the oppressors because they are more numerous. That is an oh so common tool used in a lot of cases like this, where you, you highlight the fact that it is not actually the person who is the perpetrator. It is the victim who is to blame. Uh, this, of course, being a very comfortable backrest for those who do not want to come to terms with what they've actually done. And we've seen it before and we will see it again. And it is very likely that we could see Derek Chauvin and, and their court case residing on the back of that argument. It really does seem they want to lean into it, bringing forth many medical experts as their first witnesses, though we've yet to see those arguments. We do have to imagine that that is going to be the majority of the case for Derek Chauvin. That is what it rests on. They are hoping that the jury believes that it was, in fact, George Floyd's fault that he was killed. Of course, you could argue that that is asinine, that is stupid. How on earth could a man, regardless of drug use or, or previous interactions with anything, have anticipated being kneeled on with the full weight of a grown man, though you could argue he's just a boy, that weight being rested on your neck for nine minutes and 30 seconds, it blows my mind because, of course, I want to throw my hands up and say, are you stupid? Because it's very obvious that no matter what I've done, I would never anticipate being kneeled on for nine minutes and 30 seconds. Almost 10 minutes of physical violence being brought upon me, trying to halt my breathing and keeping me on the ground. I would never anticipate that. No, I am not a member of the military, nor do I intend to be. No, I do not want to work in any field that would put me in any imminent danger ever, really. But regardless, even as a police officer or as an army recruit, I can't imagine you would ever anticipate being kneeled on for nine minutes and 30 seconds. So all those cigarettes you smoke, that should not be an excuse for someone to do that. And then when you die with your blood on their hands, them turn around and say, well, Marlboro did it. I just helped them. And how could I have known you were an avid smoker? That's ridiculous. Uh, I don't care the argument. I don't care who makes it. I don't care how fancy it looks. I'm scared, of course, that the national media, more specifically the right wing media, could take off with that argument and that could be the talking point for the next six months and I would get oh so tired of hearing it that it actually blows my mind it, it is an argument but it is and it will continue to be and that victim blaming will continue for as long as there are victims and that's really all I've got to say to end the piece but as we move on to the second day we will have people brought to the stand and we will have actual accounts being brought forth which will add much needed perspective on both sides in the case though I can't imagine being swayed by either side, as I feel I already know where I stand on this issue, knowing the facts, having seen the evidence for myself, though there are revelations to be forthcoming. And I, I do intend to pay attention quite closely to this, as I do believe that this is a watershed moment in police and civilian relations, be it white, black or any color. You do need to pay attention to these as as this is Quite honestly, the moment where we will decide whether or not police officers can kill people in broad daylight in 2021. These decisions made by these 12 jurors will decide whether or not police will be held accountable or not. And while we have seen police walk away and even some police become indicted for their actions, this is going to be the most modern example. And every case following this one 
regarding a situation much like this will then become the new precedent. You will be able to point to the very last case saying, what about that guy? And if you have a string of cases letting the police officer go, then that is the precedent. That is the permanent precedent, unless there is truly, again, another watershed moment that changes that. However, it is now. It, it is not the last time or the time before that or the time before that that are going to matter in the future. It is going to be now that's going to matter the next time that someone gets kneeled on, someone gets shot in broad daylight, or rather shot in their home while they're sleeping. Any of these cases, any and all of these cases, matter in their own right, and they all must be taken into consideration. And that's why it is such national importance. And we will continue to cover this probably every week until the courts finalize, until the, the decision is finalized. Um, and so we will keep you updated on it. Our second story today is going to be regarding Ghislaine Maxwell, a woman you may not have heard of in some nine months. Uh, she, of course, was jailed quite a while ago, actually, July of 2020, Along with Epstein, they were both indicted, supposedly, of multiple accounts of sex trafficking of a minor, of sexual abuse of a minor, sexual interaction with minors. This, of course, is the only case that we will be seeing, at least in the public eye, as Jeffrey Epstein had hung himself, quote unquote, in his cell back many months ago now. This, of course, is not something we need to get into today. However, Ghislaine Maxwell, as related to Jeffrey Epstein, she was allegedly the woman who trafficked these girls, who groomed these girls, and then presented them to Jeffrey Epstein after giving them money or giving him money to give to the girls. This was their operation. He had an island. He also had a house in Florida that allegedly this happened at. He had guests who would come to stay at the island and the house, both of which were in a book that we do not have access to. It is supposedly possessed by authorities at the current moment, though one would question why they haven't brought any legal repercussions on those in the book, though this does not matter. Who we are talking about today is Ghislaine Maxwell. She, of course, was a popular New York socialite for oh so many years. There are photos with her and every famous person ever. It's actually impressive how many photos this woman managed to sneak into. It does make me question those celebrities in particular. However, it was very common to be photographed with her as she was at nearly every social gathering in New York amongst those popular celebrities and whatnot. She was primarily charged on Monday for sex trafficking of a minor, the first of many charges that she has been awaiting since that jailing in a cell around July of 2020. The details, and, and I may warn you that the details of these cases are a bit disturbing. They are a bit gross. I won't get graphic. However, I will cover them, and, and they do seem, well, I should say, to many, they are quite disturbing. The first of many cases brought against her, the one that she is now being charged for, was for the trauma and abuse of one woman, not even a woman, I would argue, who was around 14 years of age when brought to Epstein from this sex trafficking ring run by Ghislaine Maxwell. She was, of course, that socialite who groomed girls for exploitation. And what is interesting, an interesting fact around this that I find to be at least somewhat quizzical, perhaps, maybe not. She had known Epstein for years, and, and these cases had come out for years, and with the actual indictment of Ghislaine and with the actual charges brought forth in this case, it, it proves, actually, 
that there were many, many women for many, many years. I Again, I say women because that is what they're classified as. I would consider them girls. They are not 18. Most of them were under 16, 14, 15. That is not a woman. That is a girl. And that is disturbing that they would be classified as such. However, with the court's case and the records as shown, these women were brought by Ghislaine over many, many years. This then, again, brings it around to the dead Epstein, who, in my opinion, is quite obviously connected with many high power individuals in America and and even outside of America with prominent British royalty actually having known Epstein personally. That makes me question, of course, that had it happened over multiple years, as this case does seem to show, it would be impossible for Epstein not to have at least mentioned or hinted or, or been exposed by his friends and acquaintances in that high society. I have to imagine they knew about it, which is is quite honestly what everyone inferred back when Epstein was thrown in jail and then allegedly killed himself while both guards took a 12-hour nap simultaneously and the cameras were off. This, of course, is not what we're going to talk about again, but just to wrap up this segment, it is rather confusing to me that absolutely nobody had actually known about this, even though from unconfirmed sources, it was apparently an open secret. So all those videos of Ghislaine Maxwell or Jeffrey Epstein with Trump, with Clinton, with the royalty in Britain, all of these make me question, wonder, just have the inkling that maybe perhaps these people knew it. They were in on it. And again, just kind of reconfirms that idea of rich celebrity solidarity and their refusal to either out him or their abusal of his services, which is even more horrifying of a thought and not something that I can back up with any amount of evidence beyond what is inferred. So I I can't make those claims. However, I do find it incredibly suspicious that this would be how it shakes out, especially with Ghislaine Maxwell being proved to have been using these girls for years. I find it difficult that acquaintances and especially close friends of theirs wouldn't have known about this given the length of time that it had been going on. Again, no actual evidence to provide that would show that these people were abusing these girls or were at least more than non-knowledgeable of this event, of these events that went on at both the private house and the island. However, it does make me wonder. And for one final short story that I'm going to cover, it really is just a desperate cry for help. I'm not sure what else to call it. It does seem a bit sad. This is, I don't know, the three billionth court case that Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, as you may know him, is bringing against the Supreme Court in an attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Wow, doesn't that seem so far ago now? But yep, he's still going for it. They do believe there was a rant on, I believe, either Fox News or OANN, one of the two right-wing news sources very prominent in the United States. There was a rant slash interview that was shown of Mike Lindell claiming that Trump will be back in office by April and, of course, was asking for donations, asking for funds to make it happen. This, of course, really just reinforces the idea that there is a segment of the population that continues to live in disbelief that absolutely removes themselves from reality regarding politics when regarding the state of affairs in the United States. It is a bit concerning, to say the least, that people are still out there fighting for Trump's second term. But not only that, it does seem to indict the QAnon conspiracy as nothing but absolute lunatics who have entirely separated themselves, like I said, 
from the reality on the ground, from the situation as it stands, as it is obviously not a contentious argument, especially following January 6th. There were really no more attempts to have Trump continue in office. However, it does seem that there is a portion, small portion of the population that continues to fight for just that thing. And again, I, I don't think it will get anywhere. It certainly won't reach anywhere near the Supreme Court. However, uh, it does prove that they are continuing and that that disconnect between groups and that ever present echo chamber that QAnon conspiracy theorists must be living in truly is a terrifying one, one that is so successful that it was able to continually trick, uh, deceive, whatever you want to call it, people into believing that they are still fighting for something that is absolutely lost and has been lost. Now, I am not here to sit and say, oh, wow, look at all the dumb right wing people. That's not how I feel, nor is that honestly how I think the situation presents itself. I think there is a very small portion of people on the right that are absolutely delusional and continue to remain delusional as they are very desperate to cling to power as they feel that Joe Biden and a socialist agenda will ruin the United States. So, no, I'm not here to say that all right wingers are bad or that QAnon itself is out here trying to bomb the government facilities or anything nearly on that scale. However, it does seem that they have an interest in disrupting democracy and are actively continuing an absolutely asinine plan to what I feel is non-successfully push for an agenda that died out many months ago. And again, it just shows the rational disconnect between so many groups in America, and they are not the only ones living in a echo chamber. There are multiple groups. The far left has many. The far right has many. And, and some extremist groups on both sides absolutely have been living in an echo chamber for the past 20 years, those being extreme radical socialists or extreme Christian conservatives that believe in one extreme or another. Uh, I, I just think this is a very obvious and, and a very self-presenting group that that lives in such disbelief and a great warning to those who desire to live in an echo chamber. Do not do not act as if you are part of QAnon, but with a blue hat or a red hat or any of that. And it is so easy to get yourself caught up in one and feel that you are a free thinker, that you are always standing for your own beliefs. When in reality, when everyone has the same beliefs around you, perhaps there's a problem. Perhaps you've created a problem as it is so easy to seek comfort in those who share ideals with us when in reality, all we are doing is secluding ourselves from other ideas, which may prove beneficial or negative or or neither. It is really, I understand it to be quite the roll of the dice. However, I do think if I were to bet on it, it would come up more positive than negative more often. I, I think there is a benefit, a clear benefit to surrounding yourself with people with differing views versus not. And while it's not always beneficial all of the time, I do believe that it's added strife in some social conflict, social representations may be worth it if it means that we can all objectively look at facts and objectively move forward with at least some semblance of shared knowledge or, or even if it comes to conflicting knowledge that is at least consistently challenged. listening through to the end we'd really appreciate it if you check us out at aligning america on instagram and twitter and if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this be sure to head over to our patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time thank you